everybody, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We're going to get started here. We're a little behind schedule. Super excited that you're with us this evening. There's some pizza over there. Uh, Clark will be around. If you haven't had something, uh, you can grab it up there. We are so blessed to have my good friend Brian back. I didn't know if he would come back, but he's here. I'm very glad to be back. So. Welcome back. Thank uh, you. So we'll have questions for you about your trip in a second. But if this is your first time, welcome. Glad that you're here. The way this evening works is you'll see these little sheets of paper around the room. Uh, Brian and I, we have a topic that we talk about every time we gather. And then what you can do is you can text in any question whatsoever. It doesn't have to relate to the topic. You can just text in using this QR code on the top. And we will go through as many questions as we can in the second half of our time this evening. We have a moderator. We do. Yeah, John Self's moderating for us. So thankful for that. John, I know I trust you're out there wherever you are. See you. Awesome. A couple things to bring to your attention. How great was the weather last weekend? That was amazing. It was like, hey, fall's almost here. And with that means we've got some exciting things happening at St. Philip's. Uh, again, we said this in many times past. If you don't go to St. Philip's, that's wonderful. Glad you're here. You don't have to go to any church. We're just thrilled that you're here. But if you're exploring, you're not connected to a church, we'd love for you to come check us out. And so uh, this Sunday is a great opportunity to do that. Free lunch, even if you're not interested in checking out St. Philip's, we'd still love to have you come and, and eat. The lunch is awesome. It's really good, actually. But it's, it's what we call Rally Sunday. It's our kickoff to the fall. And you can see that there. We have one service, 1030, with lunch afterwards. So, and bagpipes. Oh, and there's bagpipes. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's a musical... Extravaganza. Extravaganza, that's the word I was looking for. Gosh, I've missed you, Brian. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, another thing, I'm excited to, shameless plug here, but uh, teaching a class on um, connecting our faith and our work. So if that appeals to you at all, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, you can register for that on there as well. So, And not to be outdone, I also <laughs> am teaching a class. Uh, not on Sunday morning, but a week from... Tomorrow, our Wednesday night service and class will start up again. And so in our C.S. Lewis class, we're going to be looking at the last book of the Chronicles of Narnia that's called The Last Battle, and it is awesome. Really? Um, I'm so psyched to teach this class. So yeah. um, we would love to have any of y'all that would like to come check that out. It's going to be really fun. Totally. Totally. So uh, what are we talking about tonight, Brian? So we are super excited tonight because we are talking about the Barbie movie um, and questions that it raises. How many of y'all have actually seen the Barbie movie? No, raise your guy, hand, no guy raises raise your hand. Oh, oh yeah, I, I saw it. With Justin and I went to the Barbie movie last night. Yeah. We did. With our wives, thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were sitting behind a row of six guys who were all together who were utterly silent. <laughs> we could have just joined them if we went. We're not quite sure what that meant. Um, but the, the movie, actually, we would recommend that you see, uh, because we're, we're going to talk about why we would recommend it. But one of the things that is interesting in the movie is it has, um, it poses a lot of existential questions that are really important, like what is the meaning of life? What was I made for? All of those kinds of things. Unfortunately, some of the answers it gives are not so great. But Justin and I um, were motivated by the movie um, to share with you what the movie says. If you're a man and you're a Ken, you are cannot. Yeah. And so just in case you thought we weren't cool, actually, We're we down. are now declaring that we are cool because we are cannot. That's right. Yes. Powerful, profound message. It is. Very yeah. profound. Yes. Well, I mean, I really was surprised by the movie. Uh, I, I was surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, but, yeah, what, what were some things that surprised you about it? Well, there were several things that surprised me. I expected that it was going to be torture to watch this movie um, because I thought it was all going to be. Um, but it wasn't. Um, and the interesting thing about it was that the, the opening scene, there are going to be a lot of spoilers tonight, so. Yeah. Um, but I think it won't spoil the movie for you, it'll just help you be prepared. 
I was a little disturbed right at the beginning because they kept this part, y'all are too young to remember, 2001, A Space Odyssey. It did look like that. Yeah. Um, and they used the theme music from that movie and talking about the dawn of time and girls playing with dolls. And then when Barbie suddenly appears, it's like this giant statuesque Barbie. All the little girls pick up their cute baby dolls and start beating them and destroying them and bashing their heads in, um, which was kind of disturbing. I was not. We just jumped right in. Yeah, we're like, whoa. Um, but then they go to Barbie land, and everything's pink and accessorized and fluffy and cute and everything. And then perfect Barbie is lying in her perfect Barbie bed, and she says, it's going to be a perfect Barbie day. And then she gets a little frown, and she's like, but what if I die? And then there's the sound, and you're too young to know what this is. But back in the day when you listen to music, you listen to it on records. If you don't know what that is, talk to me later. Um, and sometimes the record needle would go all the way across the record and then stop. And that was the sound. Everything in Barbie land stopped as soon as the word death was spoken. All the music stopped. Everyone stared vacantly around and awkwardly didn't know what to do. And then they're just like, we can't think about that. And then went right back to partying. Yeah. So that was interesting. But the most striking thing to me is that this question runs all the way through the movie, which is a profoundly Christian question. What was I made for? And as you're leaving, the Billie Eilish song, What Was I Made For, is actually playing. And what was I made for presumes that you were made, that you were created by someone, and that there's an idea that maybe you were made for something, that maybe there was a purpose. And so there were a lot of big ideas out there that I thought the movie did a terrific job of bringing up these big ideas and then utterly failed to answer them in a way that was very helpful. Yeah, it was. That's, that's a good way of putting it. It definitely tried to cover the gamut in terms of, I think I've told you, and I've told a few other people, I've been reading up on some feminism for actually the last few months, just uh, summer reading, you know? So uh, it was lovely. Because that's what you do. As, you know, why not? But um, I, have, I have some of the books up here, actually. You're welcome to, to read them, but, or to come check them out. And that was... Yeah, really eye-opening to me just how much they were really trying to fit in in an hour and 50 minutes or whatever it was. And so we could probably go way off the deep end and do a really deep, you know, analysis of the movie, which, you know, maybe we'll do, touch that a bit. But I will say that the mortality being the key issue, that, that's what stood out to me is this theme of, like, that was profoundly disturbing. And eventually, I mean, we're just going to spoil the whole thing. So I apologize. It's been out for a few weeks, so... I don't really apologize. Um, I don't apologize yeah. at all, but you feel free to. But the, you the, do you. That's, that was one of the messages mm -hmm. I feel was. like. Was, You're Kenneth. I was Kenneth, yeah. Uh, what were you saying? So the mortality of, of you know, what it means to be a human, because Barbie leaves Barbie land and eventually chooses to become human. It lies within her power to become human. And the downside to being human, well, the great side is you can feel, you can have real reaction, uh, interaction with people. She's like, it, it's profound sadness, but all, all these like, what it means to be human was really good. The downside is like death, right? And that was a huge theme underlying the whole movie, which again, they teed it up, and it, it really did try to leave you, I think, with a, uh, you know, this is, this is good because this is all we have. Mm -hmm. But from a Christian perspective, you're going, oh man, those are all the right questions. It did a great, I mean, we'll talk about what was great about it, but I think one of the things that was so good about the movie is it really does name, you know, I'm not a woman, but the ones that I, the one that I married sure. and the others that I know and love in my life yes. would all echo a lot of the same mm -hmm. tensions of what it means to be a woman today. And I'll have to look up the quote from the monologue that, that they gave. But boy, that was, it really nailed it. it. It brought it to light. But then the answer that it gave, just as a Christian, you're like, oh, no, there's so much more and such a better answer yeah. to what those questions and what those um, nerve endings were that they touched on. Right. And one of the things that was interesting is that 
the mortality issue came up really early in the movie. And it was like kind of this dark cloud that would intrude from time to time. And I thought that was really fascinating because it's, uh, it's really such a great commentary on where we are as a culture and sort of the denial of death. And um, I don't want to be like morbid or obsessive about death, but the fact of the matter is that all of us are going to die one day. And it used to be that people thought about that and thought about, well, how do I orient my life? Do I believe that there's something beyond this life? And uh, it was a big question for a lot of the church fathers and theologians. It's a big question for a lot of writers. If you studied the existentialist when you were in school, a big question for them, is there anything else or is it just this life? Uh, and so I thought it did such a good job of raising that. And we're in a culture right now where, as the movie showed, most people's life goal, if you look at these uh, surveys that they do of entering college freshmen that they've been doing every year for like 40 something years, the chief goal right now of people entering college is to be happy slash have fun. Now, I am the last person to say there's anything wrong with being happy or having fun. I think I'm a pretty happy person and I love having fun. But that is not the purpose of your life. And if that is all that you think your life is about, you're going to be beset with anxiety and this dark cloud that's back there um, that you haven't really figured out. And of course, the Christian understanding is that this life is a gift from God and that you were made in the image of God and made with gifts in a good way um, to be able to serve and to have meaning and purpose in this life and then to enjoy eternity with God forever. But that answer was not on offer um, in the movie. No. All right, so maybe you've heard, I found the quote, right? So it's, it's a little long, but... But it's really good. You probably have heard this, maybe not, but listen to this. So this is uh, one of the monologues in there where she finally... By the mom. By the mom. Who's a human, not yeah, a doll. That's right. And I will say that was kind of brilliant, having the mom kind of embody like the second wave feminism, mm -hmm. the daughter kind of embodying third wave feminism. Maybe we'll get into that in a little bit, but... The mom was the one who really had been playing with the Barbie, and that is the, oh boy, we're just gonna, never mind. But anyways, she's the one who goes off and describes just how difficult it is today to be a woman. And she says, you have to be, too, you have to be thin, but not too thin. You can never say what you want to, you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane, but if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. But always stand out, always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also be grateful. You have to get, never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never fear, never get out of line. It's too hard, it's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. And I, you know, I, I think that is... A, profoundly moving statement, but one that resonates clearly with a lot of people. And I think we should probably say at this point, it, we run the danger, I think particularly in our cultural climate, of like half the room pretty much, if we say something, totally turning off and just shutting down. Or if we say something else, the other half. And so I, my, one of my hopes tonight is actually people would begin to understand and have a little bit more empathy or sympathy from where so, for instance, like what Christians may think of feminists or feminists may think of the Bible, you're running a lot. It's, it's fraught with landmines, I think, tonight. Yes, and one of the things that um, 
I would encourage you to emulate some of Justin's summer reading. If you haven't ever studied about first wave, second wave, and third wave feminism, it actually is really interesting and important um, to understanding what's going on in our culture. Uh, one of the things that was really interesting in the movie is that obviously because it's the Barbie movie, Barbie is the focus. But the interesting thing about it was there, there's a lot of really sort of disturbing stuff in the movie about where men are as well. And one of the things that's said early on is that Ken, who's sort of the, all the men are named Ken. Uh, Most all. The Kens, there's one ally. Yeah. The Kens, um, they only have significance if Barbie looks at them. So they have no purpose, no reason for life except to be in relationship with Barbie, yeah. um, which obviously is problematic. And one of the things that is so interesting is that you look, if you look from a biblical perspective, one of the things that's really clear all through the Bible um, and in the Christian understanding is that men and women are made in the image of God and that because of that, they are made well and that they are made with infinite potentiality. Um, but that potentiality is to be explored through using the gifts that God gives them to love and to serve. And one of the things you saw in this movie is that that had been sort of perverted and channeled into this idea that your meaning and purpose come from being able to achieve um, jobs that have great status, power, uh, all of those kinds of things, and from being liked. Like when Barbie is getting ready to go to the real world, she says, oh, I'm really excited to go to the real world because when all these girls meet me, they're going to come up and hug me and thank me because I have changed their world to show them that they can be anything and anyone that they want to be. And then, of course, then she gets to the real world, and they're like, Barbie. Yeah. You know, and so that's when she actually begins to understand what a tear is for the first time. Right. And the, the real world kind of disdains Barbie, and you can see it because she is this uh, really kind of fake. Bimbo is the word that she's yeah. using. She, yeah. Part of the the plot was that she develops just a tiny bit of cellulite on her leg, and so she has to... Something is going wrong with the world that Barbie now has cellulite somewhere, right? And um, and that's part of the disdain that the world, the real world, had for these the Barbie dolls was that you set up an impossible image for people to, and it did give voice to that, I think, and that's a, a right critique of of perhaps the the Barbie doll movement. But um, it was amazing the the amount of recognition, approval, both Ken and Barbie. We're looking for that, and clearly that was the end game for both of them. If they could just figure out how to get uh, to be liked, to be respected, to have approval, to have recognition, then they would be the person that they are. And I think what was so sad, and looking at it, was the end of the movie was, well, then you can become human, and you have to create your own meaning. Right. And that was, def I mean, that just, for me, you're like, I knew it was coming, but it was such a letdown because that's what this world today has to offer. And it, if that's all we have. And it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. And that's why I think in some ways a movie is such a great movie if you are thinking about the Christian faith because the Christian faith gives you an answer to that worth and meaning and purpose question that's a beautiful answer that tells you that you are beloved and that you are not an accident and that you are not just what you do for your job, but that you are made in the image of God and you are made to be able to be in relationship with him and in real deep relationship with other people because all the relationships in this movie in Barbuland are so shallow. I mean, just, ugh, yeah. Uh, really shallow and stupid. And but that's why it was funny. It was, you know, that's but it was also profoundly sad. Yeah. You know, it was just really sad. And you, the interesting thing is the movie, I think, is well made. Because if you had asked me, um, are you going to walk into this movie, Brian McCready, and have empathy for Barbie? I would have said, not a chance. <laughs> um, and, but by the end of the movie, 
you have huge empathy for Barbie. So, yeah, and that was one of the things that they said. Barbie is all women, and all women are Barbie in some ways. So, um, you know, I think the main character, Margaret Robbie, was like the stereotypical Barbie, and Ryan Gosling was the stereotypical Ken, I yeah. guess. But yeah, um, but part of the whole premise of the movie too is this idea of living for pleasure, and that your chief goal is to live for pleasure, and that it's all about you. And that was true with the Kens and true with the Barbies. And it was all about me, 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 me. I am the center of everything. And no one is responsible for anyone else. And the whole idea of children, for example, um, only comes up it, toward the end as Barbie begins thinking about what does it really mean and it's interesting because right as she's becoming human, when she's in conversation with her creator, who's the woman that came up with the idea of Barbie, they do this weird video montage, and the video montage is all like babies and children, um, while this whole thing about what were you made for is going on, and then it ends with her making an appointment to see her gynecologist. Which was shocking. You thought that she was going to go into like the workplace or something. Yeah. And then it stops and cuts to the Billie Eilish song, What Was What Was I Made For? So it's just it's just very interesting. But just to go down a little rabbit trail on some of the things that we mentioned in our title, um, one of the things that, uh, unless you've been under a rock, you may have noticed that there have been these screeds coming out from um, a number of big TikTok influencers. Uh, I'm you know, a TikTok influencer myself, really, um, or not. But in a lot of these, they come out on the video and start talking about how, why would anyone in their right mind ever have children? Because children cost money, you have to get up in the night and change diapers. They are demanding of your time. You can't go out and get drunk and listen to Beyonce all the time if you're having to deal with a baby. And so it's like this whole thing of our purpose in life is to be sort of perpetually adolescent and just partying all the time. And. Um, that's sort of troubling. And then the sort of the corollary to that is people who have said, I don't want to have children, but I want to have a pet instead. And I'm all about a pet. I love dogs. It's all great. But if you are thinking that you're having a pet instead of having a child, and you have a wardrobe for your pet animal, and you have vehicles for your pet animal, you might just want to come talk to Justin or me. Um, because you might have things a little out of whack. Yeah. I, I, Do you want to comment on that? Boy, you know, you come back and well, this is like all the pet peeves that we have, particularly the pets. I was in Walmart the other day and I saw this. It was a shirt that said, um, my dog is my favorite kind of person or something like that. I was just like, oh my gosh, i got to send this to Brian. But uh, it. We had a lot of transatlantic texts. Yeah, going on. we did. No, I think that obviously pets are a good thing, right? And you can have a genuine connection with that. It's a fascinating phenomenon that we've begun to treat them essentially on the same level as humans. It's a profoundly secular idea, but the Bible says that human beings were made in God's image. Part of that was to rule as God's uh, vice regents over created world, including all the animals, and to be a good sacrificial ruler. And to, to um, I, I think that's a, a really important thing, but when you start to see no distinction among all the species, that's a profoundly secular idea and one that is really kind of sad, you know. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll restrain myself to that, I think. Yes. Well, and the other thing that you saw in the movie, and I think, again, this was such an important thing um, that they were probably saying on purpose, but again, the answers were not always right, is that there's a lot of sort of partying kind of happy in the movie, but there's no joy. There's just no joy in that movie. And one of the things that I think is a sad commentary in our culture is that there's such a conflation, a confusion among a lot of people between happiness and joy. 
And like the joy that you feel if you are a parent, like both of us are, when you first hold your baby son or daughter, that is joy. It may not be happiness because you may be exhausted. And if you're the mother, you may have just gone through a horrible labor. Um, but there's joy that results from that. And there's joy that comes in worship. There's joy that comes with the beauty that God puts into our lives that's different from the kind of happiness that you experience on a dance floor after a couple of drinks. Those are not the same thing, but they're, the movie Joy is just absent. Yeah, it is. Um, there are a couple of things that I want to say before we move to questions, but I think that you know, one of the things that, I think it was James K. A. Smith who said that one of the biggest flaws in our society today is such a deep distrust of institutions. Mm -hmm. You look at, like, Jesus and the church. People want Jesus, but they don't want the church. They want romance, but they don't want marriage. They uh, maybe want children, but not, like, the, the family, as the Bible talks about. And one of the biggest things that Smith says is that we, the most radical thing young people can do today is begin to develop trust in these God-given institutions, right? Um, yes, institutions can be uh, abused and, and off, but they're actually not inherently evil. And I think that's one of the things I took away from it is, boy, the movie really tried to balance so many different things. It really did try to, to and I think it's, it's right, like it was saying, you're not in a higher class because you're a mom. You're not right. a, a lower class because you're single, right? And the Bible would say no matter... Or because you're a man or a woman. Exactly, right. right. And that's clear from the get-go in the scriptures, just by being made in God's image. You don't actually have to... It's, it's wrong to have to work for equality because you're mm -hmm. given it by being made in God's image. Yes. Um, and I think so often... So part of the tension I saw in the movie was it was trying to give voice to the goodness of like motherhood and care and, and physical biology and reproductive physiology, but also recognize um, inequality in workplace and that sort of thing. And it's just a tension that's it's been there in throughout feminism, I've learned. Mm -hmm. um, but it left me feeling a little like, oh man, it's, it's not able to give a solution to it at all. Right. The solution is, well, just be whatever you want. And it doesn't resolve that tension. How, I mean... Do you have thoughts on how that might be resolved or where we can find hope for uh, folks who are dealing with, you know, well, should I be a mom or not be a mom or work? Should I just work in the workplace? Like, Yeah, well, I think so much of that is figuring out where does your worth come from? And if you answer that question with anything other than being made in the image of God and understanding his love for you, um, you are going to always be dealing with insecurity. And the other thing in the movie is that one of the things that is uh, so true in the Christian faith is that it is not a lone ranger, individualistic kind of faith. It's something where you're called into a company of believers that's like the Fellowship of the Ring and the Lord of the Rings. That you're called into this group of people who are on a quest together. And it's beautiful, but in the movie, there's just this profound loneliness and isolation because there's no, there's no friendship at all. And the purported romantic relationships are utterly without substance. So I think that those two things, understanding what it means to be made in the image of God and being in relationship with him, and then having real relationships um, with people in friendship, um, that is the beginning of being able to answer those questions yeah. in a healthy way. And it was fun. You probably didn't notice this in the playlist, but the uh, song that the movie ended with, the Billie Eilish, What Was I Made For, the next song in the playlist is the Mumford & Sons song, Awake My Soul, the chorus of which is, you were made to meet your maker. Yeah, yeah I think we have to, What I would. that's wonderful. I think I would... Uh, say in addition to that, just becoming uh, not bristling at the the word that we're designed. We have a right. design for something, and I think that is such a sensitive word, not only in the secular world, but even within the church, to even hear that God may have a design for us uh, really runs totally upstream to everything that we feel and that we hear. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it's not to say that men and women, uh, again, when you operate, I think, and this is largely a result of the Industrial Revolution, but having inequalities in work, right, and starting to see some of the good advancement to have women's work, which is before the Industrial Revolution, and just as meaningful, just as essential as men's work, uh, after that, and we don't have time to go into it, but like after that, it was a huge inequality. Right. And I think that's yeah. important to see, uh, mainly because we viewed work economically. Right. But if we can get a holistic understanding, that's why I'm excited to, to teach a class on what does it mean to work and how do we connect our faith with that. Um, but recognizing all of us are called to work in various ways, in and out of the home, men and women. And there is a difference, you know, there's a, and this is another thing, is that men and women aren't identical. That's what's so shocking, the end of the movie, is she didn't go into the workplace, she went to the gynecologist. Right. And I was like, do they realize what they just ended with in this movie? It's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, how, uh, any final words you want to have on summing up? I would just say that the, the movie is worth seeing, and it is also worth remembering that there are answers to these existential questions. And the Christian faith offers a framework that makes sense out of all of that and leads to a place of understanding that you were made for joy. And I, I would also say that the whole point of the Christian faith is resurrection. In one word, Jesus rose from the dead, and what was true for him can be true for you and for me. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, the, the whole punchline is like, well, you want to be human? This life's all there is. And there's, Christianity says, no, 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 there's a, such a better answer than that. Actually, yeah. there's eternal life. There's resurrection. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a much better solution than what, what Barbie had to offer. So, yes. How are, I would imagine we have some questions. How are we doing? Yeah, we've got some questions. Um, if y'all want to take a minute to go ahead and like some of these questions or go ahead and submit last minute questions, uh, please take a minute to do so. Okay, that's the first one. With the first commandment in the Bible being to be fruitful and multiply, how do you fight the self thoughts to not have kids or put off having kids? Uh, that is a great question. And I actually, I'm not going to go off on this, <laughs> but I had a fascinating conversation when I was in Oxford on my trip. I had a three hour dinner with Michael Ward, who was probably the greatest living C.S. Lewis scholar that there is out there. And I asked him, you know, what are you thinking about? Because he's like so much smarter than I am. It's like, what are you thinking about these days? And he actually said, I'm thinking about that commandment, be fruitful and multiply, and how we have taken that commandment and the promise that goes with it and the joy that goes with it, and we've substituted for it promiscuity. And he says, we usually dress it up and call it other things like sexual freedom or whatever. Um, but he said, yeah, the fact of the matter is that we are made to be able to reproduce and that there is joy. People used to think of children as a huge blessing. And uh, there's been a sea change really just within my lifetime about that, where now children are seen more as a choice. And I, mean, I still remember when I used to go to camp in the summer, um, and this is really stupid, but I think it, it shows something about the culture, um, that if you were in fifth grade and somebody at camp thought you might like a girl that was also at camp, during lunch, they would sing this song, um, Brian and Jane kissing in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Brian with a baby carriage. But that was, that was the way people thought that things worked. And that's not where we are right now. No, it's not. Yeah, uh, I love the quote. I forget exactly what it was, but it was saying... The main way in human history that people actually matured, that the way they, they developed virtue and grew, was actually by, not by coming married, uh, but after that, when you actually have to sacrifice yourself fully for another person who's giving you nothing in return. And as, as being a parent, I didn't realize... Yeah, that was a Jordan Peterson quote. Uh, was it? Yes. Okay. 
Uh, there's no way that you can actually prepare for being a parent. But the fact that we've, it, it's had a massive effect on the human race in many ways, that we've delayed parenthood in many, uh, for many years now, actually. And so, yeah, I think that um, I would want to say that command is not just about reproduction, although it's probably first and foremost about reproduction and filling the earth. It's also about cultivating the created world. But it is. It's a clear command from God that we are meant by design to uh, men and women in the institution of marriage to be to procreate and fill the earth. And it's actually this amazing thing that we're not producing people who are self-sacrificers. We're producing self-actualizers, right? And I would say that it's really important for our society to actually endure is to actually recover having uh, seeing parenthood as a, a virtuous thing that you would willing to sacrifice maybe career a, a way of life an income bracket for yeah. because it does require that well the other thing that and I'll stop after this but the, the whole idea of the sacredness and wonder of being able to create new life um, we take that so for granted now but until probably about a hundred years ago the infant mortality rate in even prosperous countries was really, really, really high. And so there was an understanding that it was a great gift to have a child who survived. And we've, we've just lost touch with all of that. That's a good question. Do you think it is God's order for men to lead, especially in the church or even a secular role? Yeah, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> There, there are a lot of different ways that you can approach that question. Um, I would say yes and no. Uh, I think that clearly men are called to lead, but I also think women are called to lead, depending on what context you're talking about. And uh, one of the things that is profoundly interesting about the Christian faith growing out of its Jewish roots is that there are all kinds of female leaders, even in the Old Testament. Um, you look at Deborah, who's a judge. Uh, you look at the fact that the Old Testament has books named for women, Ruth and Naomi, um, and then Esther, uh, that whole thing. So I think it's, it's a question you have to uh, be nuanced in the way that you understand it and in the way that you uh, answer it, because I think what people expect the Christian answer to be is that men should do everything and that women should be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen and not say anything. And that is totally unbiblical. Yeah. That is not a biblical understanding of womanhood or of manhood. And the idea that both men and women are created in the image of God um, is hugely important. Yeah. So this is one that I think is fraught with stereotypes, right? And I'll just say at the outset, I do think that men are made to lead, but here's what I don't think it means, is that women aren't allowed to lead as well. It just depends on the context. I think what you said was spot on. I really recommend Feminism Against Progress by Mary Harrington. She talks about this whole notion that what you just described as don't do anything, just be in the kitchen sort of thing, that was really a result of the Industrial Revolution. I love that Jolene, who was here last time, she talked about what the medieval women who would look at us today, she would say, what are you doing? That, that's, that's what they would look at our, our women today and be like, you are not doing uh, nearly the amount of like, work and sacrifice uh, that, that, you were, that women did for most of human history. Again, the, the, the kind of work that women did was uh, in, incredibly valuable until you had factories and the Industrial Revolution right. and that stuff. And the other aspect of that is that the biblical notion of leadership, and this again is where um, people have sort of somehow pulled in all this misogyny into Christian leadership, which is just not there, because the biblical understanding of leadership is self-sacrificial leadership. And even in the perhaps the most controversial passage about this in Ephesians 5, uh, husbands are commanded to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave up his life and died on the cross for her. 
that is not a lording it over kind of leadership. It is a self-sacrificial, yeah. looking to the interest of the loved one leadership. Yeah, Le so leadership means taking, being the first to die, being the first to willing to take death and to sacrifice yourself for it. I couldn't help but think about, uh, in this movie, Barbie, right, with, you have Ryan Gosling, who is playing Ken, the whole time, after I thought about it, the rest of the evening, you have the same guy who played Noah in, in the notebook. The yeah. Which one is more desirable? <laughs> it, was, yeah. it, was, it was such a foil to me. Um, but so often what I fear is people hear, oh, you know, uh, when you say men are, I, I think men and women are created different. So we have to actually give a good answer of what, what that looks like. It means men, yeah, when you look at Genesis chapter 1 through 3, Eve was the one who ate the fruit. Who was held accountable? It was Adam. He was the one ultimately held accountable. And I think when you look at the scriptures, the, the best answer that I see is that, yeah, men are held responsible. Uh, but that's not a bad thing for women when it's not abused. Right. Are you all saying that if you are a believer, you have to have kids? No, no not no. at all. Um, let me just, I've said this before in here, but... Uh, one of the things that I think we miss out on so much is that the whole idea of what it means to live the most perfect human life is fully revealed in Jesus Christ. And Jesus was not married, and despite what the Da Vinci Code says, <laughs> Jesus did not have kids. And yet he led the most perfect life that has ever been lived in full accord with God's commandments and God's purpose. So, no, um, it is definitely not true that every believer must reproduce. Um, the flip side that, of that is that if you are married and you are physically able to have children, then that is something that you need to consider whether that is part of God's call on your life. But if you are single, uh, God may have called you to singleness and called you to live a life that is going to produce all kinds of fruit that will not be something that involves having children. And I think one of the reasons that what we're saying tonight is it's precisely at the moment, uh, this is Martin Luther who said, it's precisely at that point where the culture has either denied or um, made it a particular issue uh, controversial, that's precisely the point that you actually need to speak the truth of the Bible. And so the issue is not that we're having too many babies in America. It's actually the opposite, as mu despite what you may hear. The issue is that we are far more prone to live for ourselves than to get married and have children. So we want to be clear that no, it doesn't make you a better person, doesn't make you any different at all, whether you're married or single or with kids or without kids. The Barbie movie, I think, did a pretty good job of saying that. Mm -hmm. What we are saying is that where we are in our cultural moment is that we're far more likely to be bent in on ourselves and not have children, and so right. we're making a plea for that. Yeah. These are great questions. Yeah. Hypothetically, what pen do you think you are? <laughs> oh, that was awesome. What was his job? His job was beach. Beach. Is this the word beach? He was like, I don't go in the water. I don't save people. I don't even put on sunscreen. I just beach. Uh, were there? Uh, I don't. I just remember like the. Um, there I don't, were know, a I don't know any of the names. The sugar daddy can. Oh, that was the creepiest <laughs> one. That had like this really bad hair. It was the Palm Beach Sugar Daddy. Yeah, the Palm Beach Sugar Daddy can. So um, there were a couple of different cans. Oh. Um, I would say Justin and I probably don't really fit with any of those. I know that's shocking to you. The really sad thing is they made Ken such a dimwit. And you know, so he goes to the real world and he comes back and goes, oh man, patriarchy. Patriarchy is all about horses, man, and riding horses and cowboys, and I like horses, so I like patriarchy. And you're just like, he's such a moron. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, uh, we, 
you know the old multiple choice, none of the above, none of the above. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. But we are enough. We are enough, though. I don't know what the names. <laughs> Do you see the hyper-feminization of men in current society as an issue? How can we work with the church to encourage men to start acting more manly? Oh, that was actually, this question ties into what I was going to say in the last one. Is This is, again, so it, it works both ways and how stereotypes are. So, like, so often it thinks that men shouldn't do anything in the home. They shouldn't be emotionally intelligent. Like, that was part of the, the climax of the movie for Ken was that, oh, he's emotionally aware. That's just baloney. Like, nothing about being a strong man means that you stifle your, like, it's good to be emotionally intelligent, to express emotion. That's not a bad thing at all. Um, Boy, I just jumped in on this and I forgot the question already. But, um, so, do I think it hyperfeminization? I'm such a Ken. Hyperfeminization of women men. or men yeah. doesn't make any sense what I was saying. Okay, do you. Thank you. Do you see the hyperfeminization <laughs> see what of I've been doing for four in weeks current society as an issue? How can we work with the church to encourage men to start acting more manly? Yeah. Yes, and I think that the, the whole issue is a faulty understanding of what manly means. Yeah. And Christians would say that the ultimate definition of manly is Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, you see Jesus as a courageous leader, someone who is speaking the truth, um, speaking the truth in love, but is also someone who is all about self-sacrifice, who is not afraid to say to his friends that he loves them, um, who's not afraid to weep um, openly and publicly when his friend dies. Who cares for children. Who cares for children, who cares for the women in his life, but also is somebody who can have um, great conversations uh, with his peers and who is intellectually capable but is also physically strong and is walking huge distances and taking boats and you know all of those kinds of things. I, I don't know what you make of this, we hadn't talked about it yet, but I was profoundly disturbed at the lack of body hair the entire movie. It was like, what is going on? So this question actually, it put to words. All the hair in the movie was, was very like, disturbing. The hair that there wasn't was so and much. the hair that was. Yeah. yeah. Um, the so hair on the heads. I can't, I don't know what the movie was trying to say about that, but I will say that I do think that the image consciousness of uh, you know, our modern men and women, right, is, is a negative thing, right? It, Jesus, who was strong and masculine and all that, uh, was not concerned about how he looked. I, I, I would imagine, I mean, I'm totally speculating here, right? But I, that is a symptom of our narcissistic age, that we're so concerned about how we look and fitting a certain yeah. image ideal. And I know it talks about, like, that's a bad thing for Barbie. And I, I would probably say it's saying it's a bad thing for Ken, too. So... Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't very explicit if they were trying to say that. Yeah. You spoke a lot about how children are a joy and how there's meaning to being a parent versus uh, being a parent of pets. It makes it sound like having children is the purpose in life. I wouldn't say that it is the purpose of life. I would say it is a purpose of life and that I think God calls some people to that. Uh, and I think that it is possible to have children and to utterly miss that. Because I think if you are not purposeful and intentional in the way that you are parenting and in your understanding of what it means to be a parent, um, that you can do damage um, to your children. But uh, I think that that is not, uh, the Westminster Catechism says the purpose of man is to um, know God and to enjoy Him forever, and I think that that is ultimately the purpose. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus didn't have children, so I, I think you have to look there. What's the purpose of life? Uh, it's fully embodied in Jesus Christ. I, you can't overlook the fact that the first command has absolute. Uh, it, it's talking about be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. It is in its first and primary sense about reproduction, and so within the covenant of marriage and so you can't 
again, as we've said, it's not to demean anybody, because I think with the image of God that everyone bears because it's given to them, that makes them equal. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. Uh, but it is part of our death. It's what we're called to do as the human race in the image of God to uh, get married and have children. And I think that's an important thing. It doesn't make you less if you're unable to or if you, um, if you don't. But I think that is certainly the first command. And it's, a, it's one that we've neglected, which is why we're talking about it. Couple more. What do you think the Barbie creator in the movie represents? Sorry. Well, what do you think the Barbie creator in the movie represented? Was the all-white background scene symbolic? Uh, For those of you who have not seen it, there is uh, first an encounter that Barbie has when she is trying to escape from the Mattel headquarters in the real world. And she's trying to escape because all of the men in the boardroom are chasing her down. And she goes into this door, and in this room that she goes into, there's this elderly lady who invites her to sit down and have tea, and they chat. And then they hear noise in the distance, and the elderly woman tells her how to get out through another back door. Well, later you find out that that elderly woman was the woman who invented Barbie. And so when they have this conversation, later in the movie, there's this all-white background. And I think it's very definitely intentional that it's supposed to be resonating sort of the creation story and maybe a little bit of Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel and the whole handing out, um, God's putting his hand out and then breathing life into Adam. I think all of that is sort of reference in that because they use the word creator um, in that scene. So I think that they're, they're trying to bring in all of that about why was Barbie created. But again, I think the answers are not very satisfactory. Yeah, I, I took it as this is just a way to look at the creator of a doll and because she then becomes human, right? And so I think there is that tension and maybe artistic liberty that they took. I, you know, again, it was fully about once you're human, you, your destiny is whatever you choose it to be. So it absolutely missed the fact that there's a creator or a designer of the human race because humanity is meant to just figure out on their own, and oh, by the way, you die, so deal with it. Like That's what it means to be human. So I didn't take it as much as this is to kind of symbolize God creating humanity. Though there was over- well, I'm gonna disagree with you about that a little bit because I think Part of what happened in that scene is that Barbie is supposed to be plastic, although obviously she's not because she's the actress. Uh, But they make a big point in that scene with the creator of focusing on her, and you can see all of a sudden she starts to breathe. So that whole, and you know, the creation story talks about that breath of life. And so I think there's an an element of that. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. It's referencing, there's so many scriptural overtones. I'm just saying it's dramatically different than what yes, the Bible talks yes. about the creation of man to be. Yes, for sure. Yeah. All right. I think that's probably all the time we have for tonight. Thank you all for coming out. We'll be around for a while. If you have questions that weren't answered, feel free to ask us. But thank you for coming. This yes. is fun. Thank you for being here. I'm delighted to be back with y'all. Yes, thank you.